Hey, this is LGBTQ&A, where we get to know different members of the LGBTQ community. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'm here today with Peter Page. Peter is an actor, writer, director, producer, and you know him from TV shows like Queer as Folk and The Fosters. Stay tuned. Hey, Peter. <laughs> what up? Hey, welcome I'm, to our show. I'm, sorry, I'm still enjoying. I'm enjoying your theme song. <laughs> Thank la, you. La, la, la. I love took, a good, a well strummed guitar. Right, and I like the little ba 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 the mouth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that took so long to find, so I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. I'm all about it. <laughs> good. Um, you know, I was doing research for this interview, and it was really interesting to read how the media talked about queerest folk when it was on TV. Um, I saw the interview on Larry King Live. Mm. Oh, that was that was that was an interesting day. Yeah, where he was just like, "So you're really gay, for real? You're a real you're a real live fag, a real live unicorn." Like it's that's really how it felt. I was like, "Yes," for the eight hundredth time. Yes. Yeah, and then the straight people who play gay characters are like, "No, no, you are straight." Yeah. Now, but it, why would you choose to play? A gay yeah, why character? would you ever do that? <laughs> um, also, it, the lower third, the banner, it said, "Queer as folk, immoral or harmless," and I was like. Those are my choices. Those are that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly immoral because yeah. it's not harmless. I'd rather be immoral than harmless <laughs> any day. Right. I was like, that's like all we had to choose from. Uh, and then like how much they called your character a sissy. Yeah. Well, he was a sissy, but I I really owned that. I really loved that. That's what I loved about him. Is that you know I read I read that pilot script and the thing that really struck me was here was this effeminate gay man who liked himself, and I had never seen that on television, ever. Oh, it was always guys who did not like themselves. The more effeminate a gay man was, the more he had to hate himself and the more he was likely to die. Period. And it was a real it was a real moment for me. It was I was like, "Oh, this is I can do something with this. I can do something new with this." And that was the the sort of, you know, there in a pilot script for any character, there's sort of a bunch of of threads they they hold out and actors come in and they grab some of them, right? Yeah. Each actor grabs different ones and that was the one I grabbed. And I think that's why I got the job. I think that's what the producers really responded to. And they, and it became a very different character than they had conceived of him originally. He was supposed to be just kind of a wisecracking queen on the sidelines. And they pulled me aside shooting the pilot and said, we, this is not, you are not who we thought we would get for this. You're a real actor and, and we're going to write for you. It's going to take a little time because we've already got a bunch of scripts in the can, but we're going to, we're going to write for you. We're going to write to that. And, and they did. And it was a really beautiful uh experience for me that's i was a, very lucky that's a nice promise to hear too uh it was i was incredibly grateful because i would have gone a little batshit if uh if I, am i allowed to swear i hope yeah I hope it's I the internet please it's, it's the internet <laughs> in that case no off. um uh, i'm just openly masturbating under the table um uh the um yeah it is it was it, i would have gone a little crazy if um if it if it had if i'd been held you know kept in that box i really i liked his humanity those were my favorite stories for him were they saying that because they didn't think that like a quote-unquote like real actor would want such a role maybe or i mean maybe i think they just thought oh we'll get we'll get some funny you know snippy queen and and he'll be sort of like a greek chorus Okay. Ted and Emmett both were meant to sort of just be Queens, you know, cracking jokes on the sideline to tell, sort of tell the audience how to feel or what was going on. Gotcha. And some um, comedic relief. Yeah. And, and, and when they met Scott and I, they, they, I think got very excited that they could do a lot more with us. So. Oh, that's great. I think back then too, I think it's changed a lot now, but back then the flamboyant characters on TV, it was like, how dare you show us being flamboyant? Oh, I, I heard it 
all the time. Oh, really? and, oh my God. And, and then, I, you know, and I wasn't flamboyant enough. I wasn't as flamboyant as Jack. And I was like, well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to do Jack. I'm trying to do this, this whole human being yeah. who has, you know, who has a, uh, who is, a, who is a sissy, but also is strong and also has a heart and also has sex and also gets his heart broken and also puts his friends above everything else. You know, I, I wanted to create a whole person who happened to be effeminate. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Jack from Mullen Grace. Mm-hmm. Were there any other examples that you saw yourself in pop culture before the show? Um, uh, not really. I'm mean, not many. Yeah. You know, I mean, I grew up with Paul Lind, like, like Uncle Arthur. And that was just, you know, implied. Yeah. And Hollywood Squares. And, you know, and then sort of RuPaul had kind of come on the scene. Oh, but okay. that was, you know, RuPaul was a drag queen like that. Well, I wasn't a drag queen. I didn't, I didn't understand that. And other than that, no, there really wasn't anything out there. See, I, and I would argue, too, that, yes, Will and Grace existed, but they could not have handled the storylines you did. We weren't, we, I mean, I'm, it's a comedy. I'm incredibly grateful that both those shows were on the air at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, I don't want to they, throw shade. No, yeah. no, no, I, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not accusing you of throwing shade. I just, um, they both, you know, served, served a purpose. Um, and, uh, and, and I think both contributed to a real shift in in social mores and social thinking around who gay people are. I really I really believe those shows Ellen um uh Roseanne uh, and and a few others are the reason we have same-sex marriage. I yeah. I really think they're a big part of it. Yeah. So and, and, and for me being as young as I was watching I, it was almost too hard to watch. Ooh. Like, I know that some people were like, oh my God, it's me, yay. But it was almost, like, for the first time seeing that mirror, like, held up and seeing episodes about, like, bug chasers. And just, yeah, like, well, that's, that was intense. That's intense yeah. for anyone. That's intense for me at, at, <laughs> at my ripe old age today. Yeah. Like, I, you know, wow, really? That that happens. But Yeah, um, it was almost, it felt, like, scandalous. Like, yes. just well, uncomfortable it was to watch. It was, I mean, I watched the, I walked into my first audition with the pilot script in my hand and I was like, are, are we doing this? And they were like, oh yeah. And I was like, cause, cause this is dirty y'all. Like I was, I was staggered and I had not seen the British queerest folk at that point in my first audition, right before my last audition, which almost cost me the job, by the way, I watched the British, the British show. Um, and I was, you know, I watched that first 20 minutes. Like, no, this isn't, this can't be happening. This can't be, I'm watching rimming on plain old television. What is going on? Right. It blew my mind. And, um, and, you know, and I, I, I knew that it was huge that something like this was going to be made in America. Yeah. And then for ha- to have it be the number one show in Showtime when it was mm-hmm. on TV. I, I, like, saw that in an article and I was like, is that real? Yeah. Did they, like, misprint this? No, for sure. By, by a, a lot, quite frankly. Soul Food did pretty well around the same time, but yeah. we were the number one show in Showtime. We, you know... And, and I don't think Queer as Folk gets enough credit for really changing the way that sexuality was used in cable storytelling, cable TV storytelling. I think it, previous to that, I mean, it was there's Sex in the City and Us and The Sopranos and then Six Feet Under. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a bunch of stuff happened. But, but Queer as Folk really made the sexuality part of the stories and, and got people talking about that. I mean, I really think Queer as Folk put top and bottom in the popular vernacular. Oh, really? Like people, yeah, straight people talk about top and bottoming now, and no one knew what any of that was. I had friends, friends who called me after they watched the pilot and said, I didn't know gay people could have sex face-to-face. Gay men could have sex face-to-face. That's wild. I was like, so you just thought this whole time we were doing it doggy style? 
And they were like, totally. Really? Really. That's that's so, like, just, like, powerful. It is. It seems For silly. lack of a better word. It seems silly, but then you suddenly see the intimacy that, you know, I mean, Doggy Style has its place, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, like, you see the intimacy that can happen. Yeah. The connection. And, and suddenly, oh... I don't know. I think those things shift people slowly in, in surprising yeah. ways. It's like Dan Savage talks about how... girls are making noise. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, Dan Savage talks about how when men have sex, or when straight people have sex, the conversation stops. They know what happens. Mm-hmm. But when men have sex, like the conversation begins. Mm. What do you like? What do you not like? Da, da, da. like yeah. It's... Yeah, or, or it's been pre-negotiated on the internet, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> A story of the show Tackle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember getting to college and my friend's roommate had the box DVD set. Mm. And because The Queer's Folk is a TV show, you can't touch it. To have something just tangible, it felt like precious. Mm. And then to see that on a bookshelf in a friend's dorm room um, where anybody could see it. You know, they're not hiding it. This like signifier of gayness. I was like, wow. In in North Carolina. Yeah, in North yeah, Carolina. I get it. I get I Believe me, I would have given anything for a show like that when I was a kid. Yeah. Just to know it was there. Even if I hadn't been able to watch it, just to know it was there and that one day I was going to watch it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm incredibly proud to have been a part of it. Yeah. There's every TV show ever nowadays is getting a reboot. Like, mm-hmm. is that a serious conversation that's happening? I, I don't think it's particularly serious. I mean, the whole cast, we all adore each other and we still socialize and we go to each other's openings and and support each other, you know, and we were at Michelle's baby shower and we were all, you know, and I had dinner with uh, Michelle and Bobby and Scott just a few nights ago. Like it's, it's, um, we're all still very involved in each other's lives and we would love to come back together to do a movie or do a season or do, you know, do something. Um, I don't, it it doesn't seem like, you know, the obvious candidates, the Showtimes, the Netflixes have, have, um, sparked to the idea, but you never know. Okay, because who is it up to? Like the network to like kind of commission this reboot script or it, I, honestly, the little bit the trick of this one is I don't know who actually controls the rights now. It's been so long; it's been over ten years since the show went off the air. So I don't know that Showtime still has the rights. I think it's probably back in the hands of BBC Four. Wow. So, you know, I don't, I don't really know. That being said, though, I'm a big advocate of letting things that were great just stay great like not rebooting everything fair enough that's a longer conversation though <laughs> yeah that's a whole you could do a whole other hour on that maybe, maybe yeah. not how long do you show, have but... just kidding yeah um, as an out actor playing a gay role in one of the gayest shows on mm-hmm. tv um how has that affected your career oh it, it definitely affected it it yeah. definitely ch- it changed it i before queer's folk i was testing for a lot of series i had sort of worked my way up through co-stars and guest stars and recurs and i started testing and was doing well and i was number two for a lot of jobs before i got queer's folk but i would test to play like the kooky assistant or the weird inappropriate neighbor or the boss who was too young to be your boss like there were all these parts that weren't that weren't necessarily gay Gotcha. And after Queer's Folk, that all dried up. It went away. There just was no, you know, and I I don't often say this anymore, but the truth is half of most, you know, the casting directors in L.A. are gay men. And they, I think, were, were far more reluctant to see me for other stuff. Women, occasionally, I would get in for some other, some other roles. But, but if it did not say gay in the breakdown, I mean, my agents will tell you, uh, you know, or, or I, I actually signed with a manager and I was like, just so you know, this is going to be harder than you think. You think, oh, he's talented and he's had a he's had a hit TV show. He He's going to work. 
and I just warned her. And she she came to me a year later and said this was a lot harder than I thought. Really? Yeah. That she said it. She said it, I, I would call and say, "What about Peter Page for this?" And they said, "We're not going gay with this." And she was like, "It's a doctor, it's a DA, and I can I can act. I can and I can I can rattle off. I can you know I can do a summation in court. I can I can do that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a classically trained actor. I, I can scan a sonnet and and uh, and then do you know Shakespeare or do Shaw the next day. But I but um, it just it was it was rough. Has that persisted to today? I don't really act anymore. Okay. I mean, I mostly, I you know, I, I'm writing, directing, producing TV. It is a, a more than full time job. Um, I would act if the right thing came along, and I I'd love to put myself in something that I created, um, in some in some way. But um, do you feel like you've gone towards more producing and directing because you the acting roles weren't there for you? Ah, no. I, I think I should have been doing this all along, to be honest. This is really what I was meant to do. If you, if you, I decided I wanted to be an actor when I was six, but I didn't have words like writer and director. And the truth is, when you came over to my house, I made up a play. Like, if you came over to have, like, a play date, right, we, you know, I would be like, okay, you go over here, and you say this, and I'll go over here, and I'll say this, and you go over here, and you say this, and we'll charge my parents a quarter, and we'll put on a show. And it was, there was no, there was nothing else. That's what we were going to do, for sure, every time I had a friend over. And I thought that was being an actor, but it really wasn't. It was really telling stories. And this this job that I do now is is much easier skin for me to live in. Being okay. an actor was really hard on me in a lot of ways. So so I think there's multiple reasons why I moved in this direction. Part of it was I got sick of playing hairdressers and makeup artists and shoe salesmen. I didn't want to do it anymore. Is that what you meant by it's been hard on you? No. No. What, no. I, being an actor is so... Um, you're so vulnerable and I'm insecure enough and I'm insecure particularly about things that, you know, I'm insecure about how I look. I'm insecure about how effeminate I'm in, I'm insecure about a lot of, of the ways I present to the world. And so having that constantly evaluated and mirrored back to you and talked about, um, is, is hard on me. At least, at least the version of it that happens in my head is hard on me. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, this is the only industry where, uh, like, they're quantifying gayness. They're qu- right? uh, yes, quantifying gayness, quantifying attractiveness, quantifying, yeah. you know, likability, quanti- all those things. Yeah, like, I've heard for, like, things I've got, like, oh, he's a little bit too gay. Or I've heard for things I haven't got that he's, you know, he's not gay enough. Mm. <laughs> and then, all the time. Yeah, and then for hosting the work, they're like, oh, middle America, like, he's gay, but not too gay. And yeah. I'm like, I think I'm offended by this, you know? No, for sure. All, I mean, honestly, yeah. all the time. Um, when men, straight men get famous, mm-hmm. uh, you were on a hit TV show in the gay community, which there was two, you know, um, when straight men get famous, there's like the classic tropes of women throwing themselves at them. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar thing with guys? Uh, no, because I played an effeminate gay man. Oh. And as I think we all know, you know, effeminacy is not a, a cherished attribute in the, in, amongst gay men. It's certainly not of my generation. I think I think as 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 the generations have marched on, there's less and less of this sort of obsession with masculinity and hyper masculinity. But in my generation, being effeminate was not a calling card to getting a date. And Emmett was even more effeminate than I actually am in real life. And so got lots of people felt like they were my best friend. Very few people were trying to get in my pants. That's fascinating. See, I this is the first time that we've met when you said hi I was like wow, his voice is so deep 
<laughs> like, I, I mean, obviously it's been like 15 years since like Emmett's been on TV, but um, that's a fascinating like expectations oh, yeah. for you. Oh, always. People, and, and it's fascinating because people are, I mean, it's fascinating what people say to you when you're an actor. They, they say things like, oh my God, you're so much better looking in person. <laughs> All right, thanks. I think, um, and and uh, wow, you're really wow, so butch. Yeah. Ooh. Or or they get mad at you that you're not your character. Ah. Uh, that happens a lot, especially if I when I in, in gay bars with drunk people. Uh, Emma! Emma! Oh my god! Emma! Still. And I'd be like, oh yeah, really? Uh, yeah. Damn. Wow. So. Um. So I'm. Um, so you now like create, co-created The Fosters, co-produce it, um, write for it, direct it. I, um, I saw that it was originally designed for two men. Well, we, yeah, when we, I mean, it, not really. Not I mean, really. Here's, here's the truth. Okay. Brad and I were like, uh, Brad Bradwig and I, Brad, who's my producing partner, and we created yeah. The Fosters together. We were talking about, you know, what, what pilots we wanted to, to pitch for the year. And we were like, well, there aren't any family dramas out. We both love a good family drama. And we were like, well, what's our version of a family drama? We're both gay men. Maybe we would do a Two Dads show, and maybe I would act in it. Yeah. But then we sort of looked around the landscape, and Two Dads were being pretty well handled in television. And that oh, was this like, was like a new normal as uh, It was literally that new normal was coming on the air. Glee was on, Modern Family, still on. You know, and so it was like, maybe... Maybe this isn't the time to pitch that show. Oh, so this was but, really early in the process. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was, this was us on my couch uh, talking about the show. And then we were like, but you know what? There, there aren't any examples of two women heading a family. And pretty much every lesbian couple I know has kids. So it seemed like this. It was this like aha moment of, well, yeah. that's real life. And it's not being uh, expressed on TV. Why don't we do that? Oh, wow. Um, I asked because hearing your previous thoughts about being an actor and how hard it is, it seems like that must have been like a fairly easy thing for you to give up. Like, like it, this, like you wrote yourself out of the show. Kind of. I mean, it, yeah. it, in that case, yeah, I did. I was, I was never attached in projects that Brad and I have worked on together. Sometimes there was stuff for me to act in them. Yeah. But I was always like, oh, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. If, 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 if me not being there is going to get it made or me not being there makes more sense for the storytelling. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I wasn't one of those actor writers who's like, "This is my part." Mm-hmm. I was never that guy. Did you see the Glad report that came out last week? I um, did. Where we a know? little bit, yes. Oh, okay. it pretty much just said that um, representation the, that the Fosters is amazing. Yeah, actually, <laughs> it said representation's <laughs> up, but TV's failing queer women mm. and um, non-white people, people of color, and the Fosters is like a biracial lesbian couple at the heart of it. Everything that they like knocked, the Fosters are doing right. Thanks. Yeah. We try. That's why, I mean, that's what we set out to do. Really? Yeah. You also were showing, like, every letter of the LGBTQ. I know. <laughs> I, I know. They called it, last year they called us the gayest show on television, and I think we are. I mean, it, we really, it's like, we, we, got, we got a little bit of everything. I, I don't know, has that been difficult? To get them in? Yeah. No. More often than not, we go, Ugh, that, don't we have enough gay people? That's enough. Enough. I'm, I'm more wondering... often than not, we kill a story because it's... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just like, oh, can, does everybody have to be gay? Because I'm wondering like, why more TV shows aren't concerned and putting these characters in. It, I, I, I wonder, too. I personally just don't think it's that hard. I just don't. I don't understand when people are like, well, it's a big conversation. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not that hard. Just, just, just step back for two seconds ago. Does this have to be a straight man? No, it doesn't. Right. The great, a great example is I was on a diversity panel, 
and Gina Davis was on it too. And Gina Davis runs in the Institute for um, Women in Media, yeah, where they really look at how women are portrayed in television and film. And there's this, it's a, the numbers are startling. And she, they were doing a big presentation, and I suddenly realized like we had been talking, we'd been breaking a character, a plumber who had to come to the house to fix some stuff, and we'd always been talking about him as if he was a man, just. All of us, every writer in the room, and, by, and we have a very diverse writers' room. Lots of gay people, lots of people of color. Everyone just referred to him as him, and 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 then suddenly I was like, well, why does the plumber have to be a man? And we created one of my favorite guest stars we've ever done, which was Shaz, played by Jillian Armanante, who was this great, you know, kind of dicey contractor who 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 totally had the hots for Steph, and it was just, it was an utter and complete joy, and yeah. it just came out of like two seconds of stepping back and going, well, why? Yeah. I remember watching that and being like, this plumber did not have to be to be a butch woman. Mm. And like, thankfully for it. I think too, like the Foster's handling of trans stories is particularly like a gold standard. Thanks. Yeah. I just think like the Elliot this season, it wasn't a coming out story. It's just a mm-hmm. trans character. Mm-hmm. And then the previous season, uh, Cole, uh, one of the youngest openly trans actors on TV, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And well, and you know, the amazing thing about Cole, Tom Phelan, so generous and brave and Tom really allowed us you know we got Tom at the beginning of Tom's transition and Tom really allowed us to see uh, his transition reflected through Cole so we got to watch Cole's transition which is a beautiful amazing thing that I'm so proud we got to put on television I mean we I remember you know you know we, we met we met Cole and we found out Cole was trans because Cole was binding I don't remember that when Callie walks in on, yeah. on him in the bathroom and he's binding. And then, you know, a, a season later, we got to see Cole shirtless at the beach having had top surgery. And it was like, a, just to me, a breathtaking, incredible moment of this this character's journey. I agree. And to see this trans men's, it, his scars are still fairly fresh. Yeah. They're very, like, pink and red. And I think it's so important for, like, people to see that on TV to... um gasp if you need to but gasp in front of your TV not when you see it in real life yeah and and right and I you know TV is this amazing thing you you're going into people's homes week after week after week after week you're reaching them at their at their most vulnerable with their guard down they're sitting there in their underwear and and you know they they develop a relationship they develop a relationship with these these people and and so when you've had a relationship with somebody like Cole it opens you up to having a relationship with with a with a person who's different from you in the real world i just believe that i agree and you get to like ask and have questions answered watching a character like this on tv to like that automatically makes you more accepting when you meet like a real trans person yeah i i say real because i feel like uh middle america like they can be like mythical creatures right but um yeah i think it's fantastic is it hard to hear negative opinions on social media and have not have that color what you think and like what you're working on about, I mean, you know, look, social media is intense for everybody. I'm so grateful it wasn't around when I was an actor, when I was on Queer's oh, Folk. Really? I'm, I like, if I, you know, I would have to go to like a bulletin board and like a message board. If I wanted to see opinions of me, I had to go seek them out. I didn't just have to open my phone and have them come flooding in. Yeah. Um, sure. It, 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 you know, you feel it. We're pretty lucky. The Fosters, you know, is pretty yeah. well received and well spoken about. And, you know, we take our hits every now and then, but... Excuse me. For the most part, it's um, it's sort of like being a playwright standing in the back of the theater. Like you just get to kind of watch the work land out in the world. Okay, that's interesting. Are there LGBTQ stories that you are like sick of seeing on TV? Um, yeah, 
I mean, I, I'm. I say this, and yet. I'm gonna say no. Here's why. I think any story can be told in a, in a fresh way. Okay, let me, let me and with a new with a new sure. twist, right? So I don't want to say like the long suffering like the long suffering faggot. Like like do I not do I want to see that again? Not the way it's been done, but I bet you there's a really interesting version, a really brave version that could illuminate something about about the world uh, that's that's still to be made. Sure. Okay. How about this? What LGBTQ stories do you want to see more of? Um, uh, you know, the full breadth of, of our humanity and gayness. I mean, it's, it's, you know, gayness is such a big thing. It's so, um, massive. We, there's so many different ways that we are queer and that, that makes for so many interesting different, that's why we put so many on the fosters. It's just created, it's, it just gives us all these interesting stories to tell because this is slightly different lens to look at humanity through. So um, I, I'm excited for any any of those things. I'm excited, you know, I, I, uh, there's there's so much still to do. Yeah. And are you guys still like, cultivating and like, doing new projects on top of the Fosters? Yeah, we okay. have some stuff We have some stuff going on. I, I asked because the, before we start to, uh, the interview, you were telling me about, I asked what episode you were on and you named like the nine you're working on in different chunks. Yes. Compared to new projects, um, you're on the board of the LA LGBT Center still, is that right? That's true, yeah. Like what, so what of that when you go to bed at night, like what keeps you up? <laughs> um, I'm a pretty good sleeper. Really? Thank God, I have to be. Uh, what keeps me up is uh, Discord. Discord amongst the people that I'm close to. Yeah. You know, if, if we're, if for some reason we're grinding at work or you know, Joanna Johnson, who runs the Fosters with Brad and I, the three of us, we have a very, you know, very close intersectional relationship. We have to. And when, for some reason, any part of that triangle is out of whack, or that that will keep me up at night. Gotcha. Um, until that, that shit gets resolved. How did you get connected with Bradley Brightwig to begin with? Um, I wrote and directed a movie. Uh, he was working in development of a company. I needed finishing funds for that movie. A mutual friend hooks us up. He loved my movie. His company was going to put the money in to help me finish it. They didn't at the last minute. We lost touch for two years. He quit that job, and as he tells it, he had his little box of stuff in his hand, and he walked outside, and he thought, I'm going to call Peter Page. Uh, to this day, I don't know why. I consider it divine intervention on both of our accounts. Yeah. Because we've been working together for 10 years, so um, since since that phone call, basically. Thank God he did. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, I like to interrogate people based on something they've tweeted or put on social media. Oh dear! No, it's a really good one. Uh oh! You tweeted watching hashtag Hillary get the nom last night. I was so proud of my mother and her lifelong work changing the thinking of women's capability. Mm-hmm. What does your mom do? My mom was a social worker. Um, she started uh, her career um, for much worker. She she then um, later uh, later became a therapist. But she started working at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, she worked for the YMCA for a while. She then created some uh, social agencies, um, one called Displaced Homemakers and one called Women's Training and Employment, um, where I would go and answer the phones at the ripe old age of eight years old, which I still, it's hilarious to me now that I think about it, but um, where, you know, she helped uh, women, uh, you know, women who, who thought their their whole role or their whole lives were going to be in, inside their homes. You know, they, they taught them how to weld. They taught them um, all, all sorts of um, vocational skills. They taught them office skills. They taught them um, things so they could go out and make a living for themselves so they were no longer dependent on a man to provide for them. And um, 
you know, my mom, I, I, I grew up surrounded by amazing forward thinking feminists. Billie Jean King is to this day my hero. I, you know, she took something as banal and mundane as tennis and used it to change the world. And, wow. and, uh, and so I, I, I slept in a Babe Diedrichsen t-shirt for, I can't tell you how many years from when I was like six to, no, I still have it technically. Um, I love that. So you've so, had this like social activist in your, yeah, your whole life. Totally. It's, it is no surprise, uh, nor shock to anyone that my career happened at this intersection between entertainment and activism. Wow. Um, I think that's such a nice place to leave it on. Um, that's it. We're done already. We are. Wow. Is that okay? Is something sure. did we miss something? I don't know. There's. I feel like there's a thousand things more. I could do this all day. <laughs> You're fantastic. Thank you. Thank, of course. Um, if people want to f- connect with you on social media, send them to your Twitter. Yeah. Is it the, at the at, Peter Page? At the Peter Page. The Peter Page. As if and, that isn't freaking grandiose enough. And I even know the. I'm just Jeff Masters one. <laughs> Jeff, uh, but you're Jeff Masters number one. Come on, Jeff Masters one. The that's one. That's every bit is. <laughs> Um, thank you very much you got it of course and if you guys want to find our other interviews you can find them on iTunes YouTube and of course AfterBuzzTV.com goodbye